0: Welcome to Doc Talks brought to you from Nerdworks Media. <laughs> Welcome to Doc Talks, where I Doc Talk. This is episode two, and we're going to continue on with our character creation. So, let's get going. i uh, show you what I did. I actually cleaned up the sheet a little bit, so I'm kind of proud of this. So, last time, what you missed, I think, Burning Bird Friend, is that we started creating a Bard Sailor. We filled in some stuff. I did Human Variant just to do a few things. So, we have everything that we need to. Role play, or even play the character a little bit to start off with we are missing a few things What we're really missing is the bard stuff, right? So I wrote out the observant you will see over here where it's the observant feet I will highlight and hopefully that to highlight it will highlight Um, Our observant feet the reason is because as I go on as my character goes on I need to be able to explain to people why my observant feet gives me the wisdom and other things that are happening so listen I've learned a lot from the discord family that I'm part of which is the folly form I love it there and I've learned so much and one of the things that I would have never thought of doing is putting closed caption on and then I learned it so here we are I'm glad that you like it we're going to, uh, again, I did my observing right? Because later on, when somebody's like, well, how's your wisdom or intellect so high? What is this lip reading? Where do you get that from? Or even the passive investigation, which normally doesn't exist, but we put it on our sheet because it's actually part of this. So we're good. I just wanted to clean that up a little bit. Also, to show you guys, flip to the second page here. I wrote out everything that I have in the section where I keep it, which is the additional features and trait normally. And then I also gave myself my scroll cases because those scroll cases come with Scholar Pack I think is the one we took. Yeah. And I set up spots for my scroll cases because I want to stay organized. It's not necessarily like OCD organized, like I need to know where everything is. But it's more that I need to be able to see where I'm carrying things for my role playing stuff. Again, remember role playing. So we're gonna go back to page 53 of our player's handbook. Um, I know that bards have spells, but we don't know. Um, but we don't have we don't have to know anything to figure out how many spells here, which is good on page 53. Let me flip to our spell page actually. Our spell page here, our class is bard. I know that my spell casting ability is charisma and we gotta figure out some other stuff here. But let's read through this really quick. The cool part about it is we don't need to know any math, so in a lot of things you get your level of plus this, your modifier is how many spells you know. For bard, it just tells us straight that we have spells. So we have four spells that we know, two cantrips, and we have two spell slots. That makes it real simple for us. Cantrips are spell-like things, but they're not spells. The reason that's important, the reason I'm telling everybody here, is because cantrips if they're bonus action could be cast with another spell but i can't do two cantrips or two spells if that makes sense i think you could do two cantrips actually now that i said that a lot it's in the player's handbook i'd have to look it up it's not that important those are rules lawyer things however the reason that you can't do two spells is because it would make you too powerful and so we have to remember we have an economy So we have to stay in that. (laughs) Everybody's like, I hate math. My degree is mechanical engineering. I love math. I also am reading this on 53 and I can only change one spell per level. That means every time I level up, I can change out one spell. This is important because it means I'm pretty stuck. Now remember when we started building our character, I wanted a guy whose voice hurt people. So I just want to be very careful that I maintain that for me because I'm a role-playing guy. So I'm not looking at stuff like, oh, it's gonna be so awesome. So let's do a couple of these really quick. Spell save DC for every class that casts spells all the same. And that's gonna be eight plus my proficiency, which is two at this level. And then my charisma modifier, so it's three, so I have my spell saved, DC is 13. What does that mean? That means if I cast a spell and it says they have to make like a dexterity or a wisdom saving throw, they have to make it at a DC 13, meaning they have to make it at 13 or higher. Remember the old adage, if you ever forget this, is which if it meets, it beats. It has to meet that number or go higher. And then over here on my spell attack bonus, For everybody, it's going to be your proficiency plus your modifier, so two plus three for us is five. That is, anytime I roll a d20 to attack with a spell, I'm adding that modifier to my spell. It's that simple. So I get two cantrips. So obviously, I'm taking the uh, bardiest of bard spells, Vicious Mockery. The reason is because my personal character that I'm creating here has a whisper thing he has to whisper he has to talk to people like this because if he talks too loud he hurts them that's where his power comes from so in my head every time he does vicious mockery it's not the insult it's the voice it could be for him easily just him looking at somebody and saying in a normal voice what did you say and i can cast my my vicious mockery that way i love that aspect so uh, of course i'm doing this my voice causes damage it's just what it is and then of course message uh, message is a neat spell no matter what you're doing but remember i have uh, a problem with my voice so i want to talk to people this allows me to keep a copper wire around my finger point my finger and i can talk to that person in a whisper and they can hear me in their head make sure everybody can hear me all right first level spells since i can't take spells higher than the level that i have the ability to have all four of the spells that i got today are going to be in level one spells. So the total number of spells I've got is four. And the number of spell slots, it says expended. So I'm not gonna have anything there, but I know I have two. And if I do a paper chart, I will do this because I'm seeing out of two, making sure that I know that I have my two. It's not important until it comes down to economy, not breaking the game. But even if you forget these little things, it's fine. So the first thing I'm going to take here, I'm going to do Charm Person. I think that my voice isn't all damaging, I just think my po- my voice has power, right? So my first level here is going to be Charm Person. This is one of those spells, it has somatic components and I can roleplay me using my fingers to do little sigils in the air. But I can charm somebody I see in range of the spell. I see this as talking to somebody, again, in my regular voice, being kind, like, Hey friend, how have you been? You know, they hear that little echo, Hey friend, how have you been? If you've ever seen the Umbrella Corporation, um, Umbrella Academy, I read the comics, so, but uh, they have this too, which is, the lady who says, I heard a rumor about you, and then it would come true when she said it. Kinda like that same thing, but this is charming, people. As I'm looking through my list here, I have I'm going to take Tasha's Hideous Laughter. So, in the spell, it talks about the components of this, right? But I want this to be for me, my laughter being contagious. So, it has some somatic components again. um, But I could talk to my DM about the material components of this. I, I want it to be me just laughing and that person catching on to the laughing. I'm pretty sure, I know my DM, Mike, would allow me to do it and just use spell focus. I don't need the actual components. But since it's such a neat aspect, talking to my DM is worth it. If I have to do material components, I have to. Some DMs are like that and it's fine. In fact, if you watch uh, Sam play on Critical Role, or I'm sorry, not Sam, uh, Liam play on Critical Role, he does that, he wants to do that. He didn't want to spell focus. And I thought it was pretty unique, unique and neat. Thunderwave, yes. Absolutely, I'm taking Thunderwave. This is me yelling. My character yells and he casts a Thunderwave. And again, it's verbal and somatic, but I love that about this. And I'm going to go back. It's all in alphabetical order, but I'm going to go ahead and take... I, and I put on here, I want to take disson, dissonant whispers because of of things. I think to me, this is me singing in a whisper. That only one creature that I can see can actually hear it. So, Phoenix in chat, uh, and Burning Bird friend as we call her, just asked a good question. Um, creative ways to use spells, uh, the mechanics, how they look like. It's a matter of reading the spell and talking to your DM. Um, as an example, on our stream tonight, you're going to see Heron again in Heron's stream last Tuesday. Mike and I sat down and created my Warlock, and my Warlock was going to be different and what i mean by that is i wanted all my power to come from my blood just because of how i had to make my warlock and it's just the thought process so when i talked to mike mike was like love it and in fact you know it's mike so he's like oh we got to do more <laughs> and of course we did we took it to a level and i love where it went when you look over spell and you read it it has components um, there are other ways to cast spells we play at my table, the table rules, if you have a spell focus, there's no material components. And when I talk to Mike about that, my spell focus is going to be my signet ring. That's why it was really important for me to get my signet ring back. Not that my character knows that yet, but it's there. Power was there. And and, and the social contract pot is Mike. And he said, yes, and, 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 anding is important. When you're telling a story, Improv teaches us to yes, and and we want to live up to that as much as possible so we can play the character If we have to tweak our character a little bit no big deal To to fit the yes, and and we could talk about it afterwards about like uh, we did this, but I don't think this is it It's fine It's a game you're playing together, and if you play it together, you're gonna have to have conversations together afterwards especially I think I think our group talked a little bit after last week's stream was off because like things happened and we had to talk it out a little bit and it's fine. It is what it is. Back to this dissonant whisper thing though. I love this. First off, it only has a verbal component, which is my whisper. And the idea is a song of some kind and how you cast it. It does psychic damage, which I always love psychic damage, but like for him, it's going to be a hum we have to remember he's not your typical bard he's not playing he's not singing he does know how to play an instrument but that's because of the society he grew up in my bard is the journey quest bard you know the author going around and writing books we go down in our uh our ritual casting a little bit by the way i hope that helped phoenix if it doesn't really talk to your dm or another veteran player like one to one like so a veteran player like myself or a DM like myself I kind of have an idea I have to see the spell again usually jogs my memory there's so many so don't ask me to memorize them all and I look at that and I see what happens during that spell and then you and I can decide like what aspect of that and even during a game if you don't change the spell you don't change what it does but you're adding to it or you can see that that spell does something that's not in the spell there's always the rule of cool or what uh mike and i refer to as rule zero which is the dm's always right Uh, she said i think it basically comes down to you're only limited by your creativity and physics sometimes we've (laughs) the rule of cool is basically if it's cool you could try it there's gonna be roles but that's what rule of cool is i love when people bring up physics As a guy with a degree that's actually a science degree, it's funny to me to hear about the physics of this realm where people create fire out of nothing and uh, control people like my guy with their voice or like as uh, vicious mockery is originally written is that you insult somebody and the insult does psychic damage. Absolutely, talk to your DM. The only limitation here would be the limitation of the DMs world. And a lot of DMs don't, but like, I've had these ideas where I wanted to sit down and have a very low magic world. Well, I have to make sure that, of course, my caster players are cool with that. But like, we are gonna talk about limitations of stuff. Bards are ritual casters. What does this mean? I get this question a lot. It's a big question. It means you can get a, a ritual book where you can attempt to write down spells. There are rules on this. I love the rules, but I also love when it's not set in the rules like you just do it. But there are rules about doing higher levels, all this other stuff. You can't cast anything above your normal level unless it's a scroll and then there's a chance of hit or miss on that. The key here is that you sit down with your ritual book for 10 minutes and if it has a ritual a casting ability you can cast it my guy's not gonna have this um i'm gonna talk to my dm mike is my hypothetical dm in this situation and i'll be like listen i understand that he can but i don't think he will because it's, again i'm seeing the power is his voice not the spells per se and that's what we're changing it and i look at this chart and now i've had all my spell stuff done You can read through all the spells. You're not going to know them unless you read through them. There is not a quick way or better way to do that. I also want you to remember that a lot of DMs do single book rules or multiple book where they'll sit down at the beginning and be like, listen, we're using the player's handbook and Xanathar's guide to everything. If those are the limitations they put on it, those quick make character things that everybody's got an app for nowadays or online it's not going to help you because a lot of times they have a lot of homebrew or every book thing so it's not going to break it down i'm not saying that it's right to limit or not limit i just want to be really clear with that i want you to understand that the real consideration here is how much am i going to allow a plethora in the world that i want to create for my people as a dm You don't wanna say no. A lot of DMs don't want to. We learn to say yes. We have to limit things when it may hurt other players or their fun. If it's gonna do too much to the character, make it like super godly, or if we just think it's too outrageous. We want you to have fun. We want it to be funny. We love that. Um, At one point, to give you an example, fighters in in my i can't remember if it was a fighter but slam somebody gave him a wand of lightning bolt and i want i want to say it was mike again in this that allowed me to strap the thing to my great sword and then i would have to roll and like if i hit a certain number it would cast from from the wand into the sword it was this dumb thing that we set up it was funny it was hilarious according to the rules it should not have been but we both were like it's too funny we got to do this if you understood the slam better and maybe i'll talk about them later on you know a little bit more about it uh, and how funny it actually turned out to be at this time i'm gonna look i got all my spells done again i can read through every spell i'm not gonna know unless i read through them they're not hidden they the title usually gives you a good idea of what it is sometimes that makes your selection a little better but all this stemmed from an idea of a guy who has power in his voice I don't have to worry about the College of Whispers at this point that doesn't even come until later on the only other thing I get at this point is my bardic inspiration and again is because I'm a voices my voice is bad bard I'm going to just do this as another hum that everybody can hear, but specifically the person I want. So basically as a bonus action, I can give any creature a D6. This lasts for 10 minutes in game. And again, DMs are, if it extends a little bit, they try to keep it about right. But if it extends a little bit for something good, they're going to let you keep it. And what does it do? This is one of those things. We used to say anytime you roll a D20, it's more specific. Whenever a player has to roll a D20, For an ability check, an attack roll, or a saving throw, they can use this Bardic Inspiration. Here's where Bardic Inspiration is cool. Regular Inspiration, or Advantage is what it's called, where you roll two d20s. In the rules, we have to say, I'm going to use my Inspiration and roll both at the same time, or one at a time, but I have to do it this time. Bardic Inspiration, I don't have to use my D6, the extra D6, until I roll my D20. I take a look at it before the DM tells me what's going to happen, before I know if the number's right or not. And then I can go, oh, I'm going to use my Bardic Inspiration. Once I use it, it's gone. I've used it. The spell ends. And and me as a Bard, I can do this as many times as a Charisma modifier. So it says I can do three. So while I'm talking about it, I'm just going to come down here. And I'll make a note. And again, if you're writing on paper, that's fine. We can write it out. Bardic Inspiration. I want to put what my die is for that. I, when I play bards, like to have the dice on a table with me. And I give somebody my D6. They can give it back when they're done. Before any you go crazy, it's not my D6 that I normally roll. I have one set of die. Nobody touches but me. This one is for somebody else. And on my sheet, I'm going to just do one of these because I got three that way I know what I'm at and that line represents the three in pencil that's written really lightly because I'm going to end up erasing that a bunch of times if you guys see here I went back and did our personality traits we talked about that last time but I took time after the stream to actually think about what I wanted to do so to him his personal trait is if if I have nothing important to add to a conversation I don't say anything at all Uh, information is a currency and I will cash in on as much as I can can go both ways but that's his ideal bonds remember I took the sailor background so I went with my crew and friends or my commitment nothing else is important I took my captain is my commitment and nothing else is important or my ship I can't remember and I altered it to feed and be what I wanted it to be in my head mike being my hypothetical dm would allow me to do that i just had to talk to him Um, and then on the bottom i follow orders even if i think they're wrong that's because in my head he's a sailor but he's not an experienced sailor he's doing it on the side daddy helped him get a job as a sailor he keeps to himself the best way to do that is never get an argument because of his the voice power that he has i see that as everybody on the crew thinks he's reliable he never shoots back when he goes and talks if you missed the first episode, just to give you a little background on how uh, Oral came into be, I literally just went, I have this idea, and I'm a role player, and it's how I build my characters. I will never be one of those people that picks a rogue because my, or I'm sorry, picks a halfling because I'm being a rogue and I need the extra dexterity or whatever. My brain is a little different. And i know that's coming from somebody who's playing a tiefling warlock the reason i wanted tiefling is because of how i wanted his backstory to be and that'll come out a little bit later maybe even a little bit tonight depending on what happened my character's done at level two when i do that i remember that any one of these spells that i want to switch out i can but because of how i pick them i doubt i will i'm not min maxing and again i want to say that there's nothing wrong with min maxers it's a way of play it's not for every table if you notice everybody else in your group is role playing and you're a min maxer either try to learn what they're doing or find a min max table there's nothing wrong with it i'm a pathfinder player and in pathfinder if you don't min max your character's gonna die (laughs) it's just how it is I'm also going to give everybody this warning is the characters could die. It's a possibility. I don't know what to tell you. I can't make it better. I can't make it worse. You have a possibility of dying in the game. As long as the DM, and and this is more for the DMs and the new players, as long as you make it an event, something memorable, that it wasn't just a loss, it wasn't something dumb, and you make like a cutscene for each person after they die with whatever happens to them in the afterlife every death is worth it in a game for ours there's a little spot right here i believe this used to be the god thing and they say you don't have to choose a god but i really think a god should be picked and in honor of mike we're gonna take malil I know I spelled it wrong, but I like that spelling better. Uh, and I know the symbol is uh, a harp, but in the PDF file that they give you, if you could, you saw that little click there, what I could do is put a picture in there. <laughs> Blessed be Malia. I want you to know that it doesn't matter per se. It matters if your character dies, what that cutscene is gonna look like. What happens? How it affects things. Let's not concentrate. Let's just keep it on there. Please don't be that person like, I don't want to pick a god kind of thing. Or I don't believe in gods. Gods are different in the D&D universe. They, most of them used to be us, our players, right? And that's kind of what happened with Gary Gygax when the, the Pantheon was created was they were mortals at one point that became gods. And that's what it is. Talk about why you should care about that cutscene even even though that character's gone from the table. Yeah, not a problem. It's important because even the little bit of time, the hour and 45 minutes I put into creating this character with you guys, I put time into this guy. And in, in the end, too, I'm going to figure out and write down all his family, his brother's names. It became important to me. And I need closure if he dies. That cutscene is so important because it gives closure. It also allows the DM to enter something else into the world, into that cutscene. There's so much story element to that, but closure is the big word here. If you kill a character and just move on and there's no closure, it will rot that table, it will become toxic at that table and we want to prevent things from being toxic some final thoughts today is I want you to think about what I just said about the toxic what's toxic at a table it's about everybody playing being comfortable it's not about everybody agreeing with you or your ways or Session zero is so important. It's where everybody sits down and you guys discuss limits on what's going to happen at your table. And we have limits that we discussed before we started streaming our, our games every week. You got to prevent toxicity in your table. And, and what I mean by that is it, you don't have to die in every hill. You don't have to argue about every little thing. You have to remember that everybody's different. A lead like this. If somebody gives me their pronouns, I'm going to use their pronouns. But me personally, I don't care what you call me. So my pronouns aren't that important to me. I don't want you to argue with me that I need to give you pronouns. And in the same fact, I don't need you to keep reminding me of yours. I respect you. So by respecting you, I'm going to use your pronouns. And you respect me. Which is, you use whatever pronouns and you don't hound me about it. And we all get along at the table. It's important. There should be a place for everybody to come. Tables aren't for certain people. They're for everybody. I had this talk a long time ago that, you know, D&D is for everybody. I hear these stories of these gatekeepers and stuff, and we got to prevent that from happening. But we also got to prevent the opposite that I found a couple of times and it makes me sad, which are these people pretending that they were gatekeeped and they weren't. It makes us uncomfortable. and We don't want to be. I want to be at the table with you playing along and, and I'm one of those people that that I want. I, I love everybody and you don't have to be like me. I don't want my life to be boring and I'm going to keep that there. Uh, buried not decay talk about patience towards a DM when giving out cool bits a lot of people are scared to DM and that's because there's a lot of pressure put on DMs I am not one of those people um, mostly because I've done it quite a few times for quite a few different kind of people and only once have I ever been broken and I, I almost stopped playing the game it was so bad but that was only once out of the hundreds and hundreds of people I played with at cons and our DM for it, like cons or the game shop and game nights and stuff like that. There's only been one individual that pushed me that far. But new DMs do need patience towards you and DMs in general. Sometimes when you, the rules lawyer, tells me exactly what's supposed to happen but the person that wants to do something cool is there, I've gotta weigh that. I don't want the guy who took the time to learn all the rules to feel like he's not being heard at the table either. It's going to take me a second to make a decision and I'm going to make a decision. I might make the wrong one, but that's fine. We move on about that. What's going on? The, like changing the weather or cool cutscene, like I was just talking about or a patron or deity or an item or talking about things. Listen to the story, even if it's not your thing. But again, this is what I talked about before, which is finding the right table. Min maxers don't care about that stuff right when we when they build characters to min max and again There's nothing wrong with it. they're building the best strongest most powerful hard-to-hit character that they can They just want to get to the the stuff We have to remember as DMS that other people at the table might not want that or it might not be our play style of play either It's like any other relationship people forget that the DMS a person and that DM needs as much patience from you as you need from him or her or them. And you need as much understanding, sometimes more. Because I've made bad calls during a game and then talked to my group afterwards, like, okay, well that happened, but this is how it's gonna happen from now on. Everybody needs to be patient with everybody. First and foremost, it's a game. How you play d is not gonna change your life. <laughs> There isn't like a sweepstakes for best d d play. My oral character, I'm gonna go back to and talk if I'm not seeing that, which is, I'm gonna to try to live up to everything I have written here. I don't make characters based off of me, I make them based off of an idea. This, especially this, my ideal, information as a currency, I have to pay attention to that. Me as a person, and me as a hospital administrator, information needs to be pushed out to everybody. But oral, information needs to be kept unless it needs to be given. It's, a, it's, it's a, a currency. He's going to keep it until he can cash into it on a book or a copyright situation. My flaw, I follow orders even if I think they're wrong. That's not a doc thing. <laughs> uh, but that's an oral thing, and I have to pay attention to that. We've created a bard together in episodes one and two. How do I get good at D&D is I create a bunch of characters, even if I don't use them. Get an idea, create it, see how it works. No matter what is happening at your table, min-maxers with role players, with thespians, you get those. Believe me, they're there. When people come start dressing up as cosplay to their characters, I think it's wonderful. Some people don't. It's, you have to play as a group I'll explain it if anybody ever did choir or chorus or whatever if you're the best singer in the world and you are in a choir with average singers you're gonna stand out really bad and it's no longer a choir now it's you and a bunch of backup singers this game is kinda like that too and nobody wants to be a backup singer we all wanna play the game So if you're role playing so much, you realize you're talking all the time and the other table, the rest of the table is good with that because they don't want to role play, but it helps the DM move the story and everybody's cool with it. We're going to continue doing that. If somebody comes to me and is like, listen, you're not letting me role play my character. Doc's going to be like, you're absolutely correct. I need to step back from that. I need to adjust to the people at my table and what they want to do to have fun. If my is not fun, I will not play at it. If I don't play at it, I'm not playing the game. And we don't want that. We will not have toxic tables. We need to learn to play together. We need to learn, honestly, sometimes. I hate to say this, but it's just the truth. We need to learn to keep some of our opinions to ourselves. I don't need you to agree with me to be a friend of yours. I don't. I like my friends to be different than me enough where we can have intelligent conversations about stuff and we can have rhetoric about stuff and if you don't know what rhetoric is might be part of the issue go look it up understand it's an art form but I also don't need to walk away from a conversation thinking somebody is right and somebody is wrong it is okay to walk away from a conversation and for me just to have a better understanding where my friend is coming from and that they have a better understanding of where I'm coming from. And that's how you create a non-toxic table. I have a character I can play with now. I have spells. I even know what I'm gonna do for each of these spells. I have items. Next time we come together, we're gonna talk about leveling up a character. There are different ways of that. So we're gonna talk about the leveling up a character. And then we're gonna talk about, we're gonna talk about how my character and another character I want them to be linked somehow everybody should be connected in the party a lot of dms do though you meet in a tavern thing but the real question is when you're playing why are these characters still together why did they come together why would they be together and we're going to talk about doing that and i'm going to find a polar opposite character uh, i should have started with paladin that would have made it better and then we will go into like how we can have these people linked why polar opposites would be together so leveling up and having a party that gets along the last thing i'm going to say is something i've said a bunch of times but i want to make sure i say it at least three times love everybody keep it nerdy and live your dreams i'll see y'all tonight This has been a NerdWorks production.